0: What is it that it's driving the whole circus? Money. Or more specifically, our state of mind in regards to what if we don't have enough of it. Money is not the only currency in this world. But because of what the ego-driven leaders have done to the human psyche for many centuries, it has become the holy grail the trophy on a pedestal, the thing we must have at all costs, because the world at large has defined it as success, status, and safety. Once we have it, we can get the love, the body, the lifestyle that we always dream of. And then, finally, we get to feel good about ourselves. Welcome to Assertive Radiance, where we ignite your inner magic and inspire you to live your best life with joy, abundance, and happiness. I am Nadia Fleury, your guide on a journey of self-discovery and empowerment. Ready to tap into your intuition, discover your true potential, and live with unwavering confidence? Let's get started! Hello, and welcome to Assertive Radiance. I am your host, Nadia Fleury, and today's episode, still unhappy? It's not money you seek, it's wisdom. Thank you so much for tuning in. I apologize for the delay in releasing this episode. I must admit that it took me a long time to come up with the information I wanted to share with you and put it in a way that would be concise and informative. In today's episode, I am going to share with you why we struggle so much with money. As you may be aware, there are many factors involved around the topic of money. What I'm going to present to you is from my observations and experience, mixed with the many books that I've read. Nevertheless, money wounds run deep, and I'm aware that each of us as a unique experience. In short, what I'm sharing here is not the full truth but my truth, a perspective that in me sharing with you might help you gain insights on money struggles. The best analogy I can say about money is that it's kind of like a Rubik's Cube puzzle. For those who are unfamiliar with it, The Rubik's cube is a plastic cube where each of the six faces have nine small squares. The idea is to mix the color and then put it back to its original color arrangement. When playing with the cube, as soon as you move one layer, it affects four colors. One other move in the other direction and you already have a jumbled mess. Money in itself... It's kind of like the Rubik's cube. It just is. A toy, a hobby, or a business, depending on which angle you are looking at the object. And money problem is similar to when we start playing with a cube. As soon as we move aside, it triggers a domino effect. The biggest challenge is that some of these events occurred centuries ago. I remember getting my first Rubik's Cube when I was about 10 years old. Back then, there was no YouTube videos to teach me how to fix the puzzle. One frustrating day, I decided to peel the color off the stickers, hoping to impress my parents. However, my brilliant brother saw through my attempt to cheat and wasted no time calling me out. Despite My efforts to deny the truth, he laughed at me. Although I did not admit it to my brother, deep down, I felt ashamed and disappointed in myself because I did not know how to solve the puzzle. However, I learned a big lesson that day. To explain the lesson, I must add that for as far as I can remember, We grew up in a family where there was a constant worry and drama over money. My stay-at-home mom was the better person to manage the resources, but she relied upon my dad's ability to bring any money. The trouble was that my dad focused his energy on get-rich-quick schemes rather than taking the painstaking time to build a viable business. Is lack of integrity led to money problem, which affected the whole family. So that day, when I attempted to cheat, to appear better, only to realize that it made me feel worse, I got an inkling of what my dad was doing. And I also put together that cutting corners may lead to a lack of money and the drama that we were experiencing. And I chose not to go that route. But what I did not know was why my dad acted that way. What drove him to start something and sabotage his success? It's through this lens that I will be delivering today's topic and explaining why so many of us struggle with money and why ultimately what we need most is not money per se, but wisdom. This message is for you if you want to overcome your money blocks, break the code, and being able to live your dream life. I know that what I'm going to share might be oversimplified. However, I found it is easier to understand the the behind-the-scenes dynamics when things are kept simple. So now let's get started. Money is one of the most sought-after human inventions. It was originally created to facilitate transactions between individuals and businesses. However, as we know, money runs much deeper than face value. Think about it for a moment. Money itself does not think or do anything, but if money could speak, how many tells would it tell? Regardless of our status, Background or life experiences, everyone, whether rich or poor, entrepreneur or employee, faces money challenges at some point in time. Rarely do we hear anyone wishing for less money. They might wish for less troubles, but rarely the former. It's often said that money can't buy happiness, and if this statement is true, Why is it that money occupies our minds, our conversations, and our well-being so much? In essence, money cannot heal the soul, but how we can relate to it can make us sick. If money is neutral, why is there such a range of intense emotions around it? This question is key to unlocking the mystery of our complex relationship with money. To break the code and solve the puzzle, we must look not at money per se, but at what drives our emotion around it. As I mentioned earlier, one of our biggest challenges is that it's not just our emotion that's involved, but the accumulation of painful relationships with money that has been acquired over the many centuries and all that together has tarnished our hearts and causing so much distortion. Throughout history, we have observed the behavior of some egocentric leaders or group who were driven by greed, power, and money. Some of them have gone even further by exploiting their positions of power for sexual gratification or control. For the sake of this conversation, I'm going to refer to these individuals as ego-driven leaders. They were the ones who wrote the laws to suit their needs, stole from the population throughout manipulation or extortion, and carried themselves with arrogance and superiority. As they became obsessed with money and power, they lost touch with their emotion and spirituality. As long as they were on top of the world, they appeared strong and powerful and had very little care over people's life and well-being. But because the foundation of their power came from external sources, these ego-driven leaders never felt truly safe and always feared anyone who might threaten their position. Over time, their fear turn into all sorts of mental problems, from the inability to control themselves to heightened stress, anxiety, which may have led to paranoia. Now, mind you, any ego-driven leaders in leadership will influence the community they lead, causing fear and division amongst the masses, thereby perpetrating the idea of duality. When too many people get consumed by the same fear, it leads to a collective paranoia. Bear in mind that the true villain here is not men themselves, but rather their mental state of ignorance. In effect, they are spiritually unconscious and feel completely separated from their divinity. All they care about is to protect their status of power, at all cost at one point in history the collective paranoia grew so strongly it gave rise to institutions like the holy inquisition as well as other influential groups like kings and political parties these ego-driven leaders primarily men became obsessively afraid of the sacred feminine leading them to take extreme measures to suppress the female dimension, women were dehumanized and relegated to being childbearers and viewed as men's property. Shockingly, this historical repression is still happening today. For instance, the overturn of Roe versus Wade in USA—that's where it comes from. Men who seeks to subjugate and control women. The consequences of this suppression have had wide impact. Just as in any abusive relationship, when we feel hurt, we often project our frustration onto others, continuing the dysfunctional cycle. The suppression of the female expression not only affects women, but also impacts men and society as a whole. As a result, a lot of us, don't feel comfortable being our true selves. We deal with this imbalance by adopting various roles and labels, which keep us disconnected from who we really are. This imbalance creates an inner turmoil, causing us to feel disconnected and unfulfilled. When our feminine and masculine energies are out of sync, it makes it difficult for us to live authentically and find true fulfillment in our life. To better understand, let's dive into the essence of these energies. The divine feminine embodies nurturing qualities like compassion, empathy, intuition, creativity, resilience, and a spirit of collaboration. On the other hand, the sacred masculine symbolizes Attribute like strength, courage, protection, integrity, honesty, leadership, initiative, and logical thinking, which are all essential for making decisions. The suppression of the feminine aspect has wounded both of these energies. As a result, a wounded feminine may overlook self-care and placing the needs of others before her own. Have you ever seen a family member who always puts others' needs before their own, never taking a break, thinking it's for everyone's benefit? This selflessness not only affects their own well-being, but also instills false beliefs in the children who see this behavior as normal. Other signs of the wounded feminine include struggling to set healthy boundaries, speaking up and asserting themselves, as well as the difficulty of expressing emotions. This can lead to feel powerless, setting a pattern for victim mentality in need of a savior. This theme is further reinforced by many movies where the hero comes and rescues the damsel in distress. As a side note, The victim mentality is a deep and important topic that I will explore further later on. For now, let's continue discussing the wounded energies. Just like we can't remove the yin from the yang, when one side struggles, it will also affect the other side. And so, the wounded masculine will have the tendency to suppress emotions and seek control. Often seen as never-happy micro managers at work, I'm sure you're familiar with those. They might flare up and get angry when things don't match the script they had in mind. They tend to be perfectionist, unable to delegate, and competitive. Deep down, they fear vulnerability, and they see it as a sign of weakness and will often Mock others who are showing their emotions, saying mean things like, Suck it up, men up, men don't cry. As they bottle up their emotions, they gradually disconnect from their spiritual source, leaving them feeling empty. This void might prompt them to engage into addictive behaviors as a way to cope with or suppress their feelings. As I mentioned earlier, we all carry within ourselves these two energy types. For instance, consider a new mom. At a certain times, she will embody the mother's energy and simply be at peace, rocking her baby. That is the healthy feminine. However, she might need to start doing some research as to who is going to take care of her child when she returns to work. This doing aspect aligns with the masculine energy of providing for her family. Now imagine the same need to care for a safe space for her new baby, but the story this time is told from a wounded energetic perspective. It might manifest as her feeling compelled to generate an income, but because she's struggling with her wounded feminine sides, she ends up taking care not only of her new baby, but her sister's children. What began as a one-time favor has turned into a a 40-hours-a-week obligation, and she's unable to create healthy boundaries. Struggling to assert herself and come up with a fair arrangement for compensation, she gets further into credit card debt to pay the extra expenses. She longed for support, but the wounded masculine within her, conditioned by fear of confrontation, along with her wounded feminine energy that keeps her in a victim mindset, prompts her to stay quiet and bottle up her frustrations, which could turn into anger at any time, especially when the kids are acting up. This unhealthy dynamic not only depletes our energy and financial resources, but also affects everyone's well-being. The point of this illustration is that for thousands of years, we have created a dysfunctional world that we assume to be normal. Of course, the level of trauma varies depending on where you were born, cultural norms, and the political scope in your country. However, I have a feeling that our parents and grandparents and the previous generation struggled a great deal more than we have. It often takes a critical mind to call out the false beliefs, but remember that back then, children were often told not to ask questions, and more often than not, in a not-so-polite way. So in a way, having a critical mind just like having healing abilities, or psychic abilities, or any unusual gifts, were suppressed. Being authentic wasn't safe, and being unique was frowned upon. So to this day, although we know certain things are not true with our rational mind, fears lingers on in our unconscious mind, hence why we are still struggling with our sense of agency. And so, unconsciously, we keep passing on generational wounds. Think about it for a moment. Just 100 years ago, girls were universally discouraged from having formal education. Now imagine being told as a girl that your purpose in life is to know how to bake loaves of breads to feed the men in the house rather than being allowed an education. And so you watched your brothers go to school while you have to stay at home and do the chores instead. How does that make you feel? Multiply that feeling by thousands of years of gender inequalities. As I mentioned earlier, when one side is affected, it takes a toll on the whole. The opposite is also true. There might be boys who would have preferred staying home and working with their hands rather than having to go to school, but they too had to follow the established rules. Another well-documented rule was that the oldest boys of the family had to become a priest. Deep down, it leads to the same core issue for both young men and women. We are not enough, and whatever we do is not good enough. Without understanding, we go through life carrying heavy pent-up emotions in our heart. After a while, we dim our light and let others tell us what we should do. We fear taking risks, being laughed at, or making the wrong choices and then having to pay the consequences. Gradually, we start wondering what life is all about. Some might follow their intuition and get involved in doing something healthy that brings them joy. However, many more don't feel worthy and might seek relief in unhealthy, addictive habits like cigarette, drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, or excessive shopping as a way to cope with life. Bear in mind that Not feeling worthy about yourself was set on purpose by these ego-driven leaders because, for one, it was easier to control the masses when everyone is put in the same box. Secondly, they did not want anyone else to rise and challenge their status quo. What we don't realize is that when we don't feel good about ourselves, We keep ourselves stuck in this victim loop mentality and we give our power away to the one who wants to control us. The deeper question here is what is it that is driving the whole circus? Money? Or more specifically, our state of mind in regards to what if we don't have enough of it? Money is not the only currency in this world, but because of what the ego-driven leaders have done to the human psyche for many centuries, it has become the holy grail, the trophy on a pedestal, the thing we must have at all costs, because the world at large has defined it as success, status, and safety. Once we have it, We can get the love, the body, the lifestyle that we always dream of. And then, finally, we get to feel good about ourselves. Isn't it interesting how we are willing to jab our elbows in other people's ribs to put our hands on that precious cup, only to realize once we have it in our hand that the cup is empty? This cup is glued on a pedestal of illusion with the idea that it's filled to the brim with something magical that would make us feel strong, powerful, and in control. But once we have it, it's still not enough. It's like being thirsty and keep trying to drink from an empty cup. It becomes maddening. Why am I still not satisfied? In that state of lack, you will never have enough of anything, especially money. But many will go on with their lives, not knowing they see life through its limitation. What we truly seek is to feel secure and confident inside. But when we get so busy chasing the illusion, we forget that the real magic is not the cup, but within. Ourselves. On our quest for more, it's easy to miss the point. The true purpose of the cup is not to drink from it, but to fill it with our essence and share the goodness with others. Remember, nothing of substance can ever be contained in the illusion, just as nothing in the material world can bring freedom and peace of mind. Think about it for a moment. Nobody can go to the store and buy a different state of mind. You can't arrive at the counter and ask for the guy, I'm looking for some peace today. Now, you might argue that how you feel about yourself changes when you buy something new. And I get that, as it's part of our human experience to enjoy the pleasure of life. The challenge is not in the things we buy But why we buy them? When we buy things to feel fulfilled deep within, the habit can lead to, I need more of that to feel good and secure about myself. To get more stuff, we need money. And what happens when we need to go to work so that we can pay for the goods? It's a fine nuance here because it's normal to live in that way in the material world the subtle difference is the day that you feel trapped in that loop especially when you don't like your job or your superiors don't treat you right but you are afraid to quit because you don't want to lose your job because who's going to pay the bills if you don't work Looking forward to go to work energy is way different than the energy of dreading the alarm clock and getting to work feeling grouchy. Any actions, whether conscious or unconscious, that deplete our energy are not sustainable in the long run. And this is how we gradually give our power away to money. Nothing in the material world can truly make us feel fulfilled if we feel inadequate and lacking inside this is why so many struggle with money because we forget that money is just a tool and we use it as a means to appear strong in control and powerful now in itself these things are not necessarily bad as long as they are used constructively the trouble comes when we use our power as a means to feel superior to others And we create a false narrative that gives us the right to abuse the people who we see as inferior. Remember that power is not empowerment. What's the point of being strong and powerful if you can't enjoy life? What's the point of controlling others if you get angry when people around you are pushing your buttons? To solve the money issue, we must look at our inner vessel and seal the cracks of our foundation. Until we do that, no matter what we do, or how much we try, our effort is wasted and we deplete ourselves. That is why so many people struggle with feeling drained and exhausted. Whatever they are fighting against is wearing down at their soul. But again, like I mentioned earlier, The cracks that broke our foundation started centuries ago. We want control with the intent to end the cycle of what has been done to us. We want to be strong so that we can stop someone from taking advantage of us or stop beating us down. But when we don't take the time to ask deep questions as to why we do certain things, it's easy to fall into the same old pattern and start using our power To undermine others. The reverse effect is also possible, meaning that for some, they might fear embracing their own strength and power for the greater good. So many of us have been affected in our youth or throughout our lives, and so we shut down and don't want to go near the idea we could leverage our power in fear to become a bad person. In this space, you might be inclined to find a partner to provide for you so that you don't have to take the lead in taking care of your financial needs. And bear in mind that this scenario is absolutely fine and brings amazing results when both partners are operating from their healthy masculine and feminine energies. The challenge is when one or both partners operate from their wounded energies. As I shared earlier, when we struggle with how we feel about ourselves and don't know where it stems from, it's so easy to lash out and blame everything and everyone around us. Over time, these bouts about anger and frustration will take a toll on the overall relationship. If you are not sure what I'm talking about, just watch the news and the court system. They are filled with stories of broken relationships. When we need money to feel safe, in some ways, we give our power away to money. That's when money, per se, takes a different meaning. In this space, we become afraid. What if I don't have enough? What if I lose what I have? When these thoughts snowball into the idea that to be safe, I must have... More than, or be better than, or superior to someone else, it gradually opens the door to greed. And when the individual or the group feels it's not enough through legal means, then they become compelled to acquire more through fraud, which gives the rise to corruption. These actions, observed for centuries, have given money and power, lots of bad press. In itself, power is neutral. I see it as an amplifier. It magnifies both positive and negative traits. What is mean and dangerous is not power itself, but how the individual chooses to use it. History is filled with accounts of painful stories that has been done to other individual What we are truly battling against here is not our humanness, but rather the harmful action that we take when we lack awareness. To stop the dysfunctional cycle, we must become conscious and recognize that bad behavior is not normal. One of the ways to stop the cycle is to bring understanding in our lives, to understand why we act and feel a certain way, once we can evaluate what has caused us so much pain, we can turn things around. I'm aware that what I'm sharing with you today is only the tip of the iceberg. And so, yes, there is more to it. But what I want to say as I conclude today's message is that the era of the ego-driven leader is over. It's collapsing. And you can see it in the political realm as well as with the English monarchy and all the wars that you have around the world at this point. The top-down model is no longer sustainable because the masses have risen to a higher consciousness, and we want to be happy, and we want to live fulfilled lives. And what they want, these ego-driven leaders, is anything but that. But we are shifting the energy around. And this is what I'm going to address in a following up episode. So I will continue this topic because there is so much to be revealed. So stay tuned for the next one. And in the meantime, if you feel that this episode can help someone you know, please share it. And until next episode, please stay safe, healthy, and have a fantastic day.